Chapter 8 of From Alien to Citizen, The Story of My Life in America by Edward Steiner. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Chapter 8 An Involuntary Tolstoyan. In my student days, I visited Count Tolstoy on his estate at Yasnaya Pollyanna. One day I saw him cutting grain, following a row of peasants as they swung their scythes. Try it, he said to me, and when, after many clumsy attempts, I finally dropped the crude blade and wiped the perspiration from my face, he remarked, quote, Young man, for a few minutes at least you have been doing the will of God. He has not made your hands merely to hold gloves and a cane and cigarettes, but to do useful, honest work. End quote and he left me filled with dismay for i had gloves a cane and cigarettes from that day till the day when i stood in front of a farmhouse on the trenton road i had not attempted any field work and but little useful labor of any kind such as tolstoy would approve and call honest when i knocked at the front door the answer was a gruff voice directing me to the kitchen there i was met by the housekeeper and general factotum a german woman of middle age who spoke her mother tongue with the soft saxon accent and the politeness proverbial among her countrymen she engaged me although the matter of wages was not mentioned and indicated my manifold duties i was to do chores of various kinds attend to a number of horses and at that particular time help in making hay this farmer and others in new jersey as i have learned since specialized in greenhorns and there was a number of that species at work from the older ones i soon learned that the place was a new kind of sweatshop for some reason maria the housekeeper took to me kindly and treated me with the consideration which a woman of her class naturally shows a university man the food the men were compelled to eat was wretched but there was always an especial dish for me its origin no doubt being the boss's table i had some difficulty in doing the unaccustomed chores and the harnessing of a horse usually involved me in an entanglement of straps and buckles which the boss always rewarded by a lesson in a very choice english of the sort which lost me my first job it is needless to say that i came to this farm half starved and much discouraged but the wholesome food and the work in the open although hard soon brought back strength and courage the shop work had accustomed my muscles to labor but the work on the farm was much harder and on the whole required a kind of skill and endurance which i did not possess i never before realized how much science is necessary in the handling of a hay fork and the first time i held that peaceful tool in my hand i recognized in it a symbol of the yankee spirit i compared it with the clumsy affairs i had seen in europe i noted how every bit of superfluous weight was eliminated and how thin and shapely were the prongs with just the right curve to hold firmly their load and release it easily not even a skyscraper in later years roused in me so much admiration for the american as the hay fork which in spite of its grace and lightness raised wonderful blisters on my palms and made me ache so that i could scarcely lie down Looking back over the discipline of my life, I count that work on the farm the most useful, and if I were asked to reconstruct the curriculum of any university, I should add to it a stiff course in agricultural labor. To learn to pitch hay may not be as alluring to our college youth as to learn to pitch a ball, but it is the more useful exercise, from the moral and physical standpoint, certainly, while as a training for the mind it may hold undreamed-of values 
to plunge the fork straight into the depths of a fragrant mound of hay strain every muscle of the body to lift it and when poised high in the air drop it just where the load has need of it and then withdraw the fork gently so that not a wisp of hay be thrown back is both a graceful and a useful art to carry a hay fork on my shoulder gave me a greater thrill than i had ever received from carrying the student's sword blessed is the country and safe from decadence when shovel and hoe not golf club and tennis racket are the insignia of the gentleman although unrelieved toil may become as degrading to the mind and soul as unrelieved play the fact that the bed given me was so unclean that i preferred to sleep in the barn that the day began before sunrise and did not end till long after sunset and that the boss was a tyrant did not do much to elevate my spirit fortunately i had inner resources which defied those brutalizing influences in contemplating that phase of my life which i have frequently and voluntarily repeated i often ask myself what the association with these rough laborers did for me i have long ago come to the conclusion that i lost nothing and gained much after all i found down there at the bottom real fundamental human values one of my co-laborers was heinrich an old sailor temporarily thrown upon solid ground he had sailed every sea and knew every port from rio to london town he was a bad man that is he drank like a sailor who is on shore and although he knew no moral restraint and had seen the inside of every hell of which civilized cities boast he was just what he was and made no pretense at decency but when it came to defending the weak to taking the heavier part of the burden and to straightening out the blunders of others he was one of god's gentlemen another gentleman by nature if not by birth was pete a swede who had known and seen but little of life and accepted hard labor as his allotted portion against which he never rebelled there was a great gulf between us because he could say only yes and no in english and i could say nothing in his language yet his serene nature and uncomplaining spirit were real contributions to me who lacked both then there came drifting in every few days new greenhorns the flotsam and jetsam of the highway of the pennsylvania railroad some of them were bad very bad one a degenerate german even suggested that we kill the boss yet on the whole they measured up well with the rest of humanity which i have touched in various strata of society indeed they were a good deal more honest and straightforward than many respectable people which was perfectly natural for they were not playing a part and were not claiming to be anything they were not or appearing to possess anything they had not while i have found human nature alike everywhere i am inclined to say that down at the bottom where i knew and touched it one finds it fundamentally honest and kind the really bad person was maria the housekeeper she stole from the boss and from us all that was worth stealing she was a genius at lying yet she was kind to me too kind in fact as i discovered later she borrowed books from the boss's library where they served as an ornament there was a glorious set of shakespeare in which i reveled on those sundays when i had the leisure and out of which there came a great uplift and a marvellous enrichment of my vocabulary here too came to me like a baptism of the spirit the essays of emerson and the chapter on compensation i knew nearly all by heart i surely needed its consoling philosophy of course i did not know every word i read but it is marvelous how many gaps may be filled when one reads even with such a limited vocabulary as i possessed 
here i also discovered a poet now gone out of fashion j g holland his simple direct and somewhat didactic poems made a deep impression upon me especially katharina which fitted well into my rather solemn mood there comes to me now loaded with fragrance this stanza which then meant much to me Quote, oh feed and fire me fill and furnish me and if thou hast for me some humble task some service for thyself or for thy own reveal it to thy sad repentant child in return for maria's numerous favors i had to read to her in german one day the boss overheard my reading and came into the kitchen although he was angry because the books were taken from the library he questioned me in regard to my past and when i briefly told him my history he promised to take me up to the university in the autumn and see what he could do for me heinrich the sailor left us as did many others as soon as he discovered the pittance of wage he received at the end of the month after he left maria presented me with a pair of socks which i recognized as belonging to him when i refused to take them she was very much offended but made no difference in her treatment of me the next event however had much to do with my not waiting for the autumn opening of the university as i recall it now there was a lock on the canal near that farm and a little house on its shore in which the keeper lived to this house maria carried various farm products chickens eggs etc and a number of times she employed me in the task the lock-keeper was an elderly german who had a dark-eyed rather silly young wife and a boy whose name i remember for it was edward like my own many an evening i heard the couple quarrel and the boatmen laughing at them they seemed to me a tough crew and drink was very much in evidence one evening after dark maria asked me to carry a pair of chickens to the house when i reached it i heard violent quarrelling the man threatened to kill the woman and the boy cried piteously i interfered and received what often falls to the lot of the mediator a bad beating i did not leave the chickens and in carrying them back met the boss when he questioned me i told him that maria had sent me on the errand when we returned to the house there was a stormy scene in the kitchen and in the morning my lucky star had waned my coffee tasted like water the milk was blue the bread dry and the butter rancid i was suddenly deposed from the place of favorite to that of the other laborers at dinner i noticed a similar difference and in the evening i found that my chief comfort and consolation the books were gone the chance of coming in touch with the university in the fall kept me at my post although each day life grew more unbearable maria was a fiend at torture and i suffered every kind of deprivation and indignity the next sunday not having any books to read i strolled through the cornfield down to the canal and past the little house up the hill which leads to princeton i do not know now at what point i reached the town but i clearly remember the campus at that time still delightfully and naturally old-fashioned and distinctly academic it had a winning look and aroused all my old ambitions and desires i was sure that somewhere i ought to be able to gain a foothold and climb again towards something worth reaching after the only public place open where i could ask for information was a saloon it may shock my princeton friends to know that a saloon was open there on the sabbath but it was whether front door or side door i do not remember i think that saloon was directly opposite the campus it was rather handsomely furnished and one or two rooms of which i had a glimpse reminded me of the old-fashioned naipee 
one thing which struck me most forcibly but which i did not understand although i had read emerson and shakespeare was a sign over the bar on which was written minors not allowed here i knew the latin origin of the word and i also had in mind the english word minor thus early i did injustice to the spirit of princeton whose life i first touched by way of a bar-room the bartender told me that it was vacation time and sunday beside and that the college office was closed but said i might call on the president i know i did not walk very far until i came to the president's house and with a fast beating heart rang the bell what if the president were to see me what should i say how could i explain my plight would he not drive me from the doorstep i rang again and again but there was no answer in fact that door was not opened to me until a quarter of a century afterwards and before that i learned many many things not found in the curriculum of princeton university or any other End of chapter eight